Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My onboard tactical computer suggests that this is the best time to attack. I am certain that I will finally fulfill my programming. <laughs> Episode 142 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Brian Young. Amy and Bobby couldn't join us this weekend. They were going to because we had really big things planned and things were excited, but then life happened, as it tends to do. So it's me and Brian, and we have a special show for you tonight. And Brian, why don't you uh, share with all the listeners what we are doing this evening? Well, we have the redoubtable uh, David W. Collins here to talk with us about Star Wars comics and video games, and we might we might uh, sneak in a music question here or there. Um, oh, neighborinos. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? I have no complaints. Ready to talk some stuff now. A little behind the scenes for everybody. Um, so Battlefront came out. And uh, it's kind of yeah. taken over lives. A lot. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, we said, I remember saying this on the comic when they announced that Battlefront was coming out in November of 2015, that between that and the movie, nobody's going to sleep, yeah. you know. And, and they've been really kind of, uh, paying off on that or making good on that, you know, at Disney and Lucasfilm, because between the comic books and the novels and the video games and the toys and and Star Wars Rebels and The Force Awakens coming out in less than a month, I mean, it's just like what what a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And there's there's no shortage of things to talk about. So with me, I got an Xbox One specifically for Battlefront. My wife bought it for me back in my birthday, back in July, and then it broke. Two weeks before Battlefront was supposed to be released, and then I contacted Xbox, and they said three to seven weeks until I get one back. And I hounded everyone at Xbox, every level of support, saying, I need this game by the, I need my system back by the 17th. And um, uh, long story short, the uh, shipping thing said it would be back first week of December, but I came home, and it was sitting on my front porch the day Battlefront came out, so I didn't really miss anything. I'm really happy, and been playing it a lot what do you what do you think so far what game types have you played and what do you think is your favorite so far well um i think it's great i mean it's i i um i'm a little biased obviously i worked on the the project i don't really haven't really talked about this too much anywhere but um i voice directed about six weeks on the project mostly pick up stuff and it was a lot of soldiers and it's funny because it came out of me being cast as the solistons in the game so if you actually get to level 40 or 33 or whatever it is and you can actually unlock a soliston or play with a soliston it's me uh speaking in gibberish which i did for about four hours one morning um back in the spring or summer and then uh ended up just doing a lot of recording on skype with a lot of folks out of london so a lot of imperial officers a lot of stuff like that and and got to know the folks at dice and boy they're cool. they're so cool and um of course with star wars celebration got to know them a little bit as well and see the game so I've been rooting for this game like crazy since it came out, but I'm just 
I'm totally addicted. I was addicted to the beta. Uh, to answer your question more specifically, I have found myself just um, really being drawn to the fighter oh, squadron yeah. map. Cannot stop flying X-wings and Tie fighters, and I, and that's just from years of playing the 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 PC games. You know, Tie fighter and X-wing. And I learned something new every day. See, one of my questions was going to be: You've done so many other. Star Wars games, doing the sounds and directings and voices and things like that. And I'm not really good with the words, so forgive me for that. But I thought that you didn't do anything in this game, so I'm glad to hear that you did and that you're a little biased. But that's okay, because I'm probably biased too, but I love it. And I wanted to share with you that, yes, the Fighter Squadron is my absolute favorite mode on the game right now. I am upsetting my friends by not wanting to play any other game types because I am so addicted to this. It takes that little bit of nostalgia from the past and adds it to the uh, amazing technology that we have now. And I just cannot put that game type down. I can't. Brian, have you tried it? I have. Uh, I've tried that. Uh, the Walker Assault is a lot of fun. I really like the, uh, I don't remember it's what it's called, but it's not the Walker Assault one where you've got to take over the zones um, like yeah. Team Fortress or, or whatever. Is that supremacy? supremacy. Yeah, supremacy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even just the regular like blast, but actually I've been playing most just the two player sp split screen with my son. Um, and that's been a lot of fun actually. <laughs> um, because that's just like you're two rebels stranded on a planet or wherever. And the, you know, Akbar just keeps sending you resupplies and you've got to defeat 15 waves. Yeah. stormtroopers and atsts and oh that endor map with the 15 waves yeah, yeah. talking about it's so hard i got to wave 12 and i i died it's a little easier with two player well yeah because then you can yeah. work together and you can show you can like uh strategize but the, the thing is for me i like the power-ups i like that it isn't like a call of duty game where you have to have kill streaks to become slave one or the millennium falcon or in the Endor map, I loved uh, picking up a power-up to be the ST Walker. I thought that was really cool. I um, almost had a negative Star Wars experience with my daughter this week, Brian. Uh, I was playing online, doing... We were doing the regular... I think we were doing Supremacy, and I was handing the controller back and forth to her, and I was getting... I was doing okay. It was like 12 and 4 or whatever, my kill-to-death ratio. And then I let her play. She was 1 and 32. And, like, I was texting my friend i'm like oh my god she's killing my strip my my stats like it really matters what my stats are it's kind of funny to me but anyway um then she looked at me and she's like she saw her kill death ratio and she goes oh my god i'm so sorry and i'm like no it's okay just as long as you're having fun but for a moment there i was like she needs her own copy she's gonna kill me do the does that ratio actually no, do anything no, but it's bragging rights and i'm a jerk so for to, to who to people like i don't I know care. i said i'm a jerk i admit it no i'm just saying who are you bragging to Everybody. That's how's your how's your kill to death streak uh, ratio there, David? Uh, you know, I uh, I think it's I don't think it's that good. I think it's uh, thirty. It was forty something percent. Now it's like in the high thirties. Meaning I die more than I yeah than I kill. Um, so it's not great. I mean, even and, and I've gotten there have been a couple of times when I've made it into that top three, like most fighters killed or. You know, I, I, you know, rescued the most droids and droid run or whatever, but it's very rare. I mean, usually I'm just getting taken out all the time. Um, but, uh, but I was going to say, yeah, that's as old as, as the arcade stand-up games in the, in the arcade or 7-Eleven or whatever. You would type in your three initials. Like yeah. no one would know who those were, but you wanted everyone who walked by that store 
somehow in your mind, they were going to look at that and go, wow, I'm impressed. That young man's going places. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's a dream <laughs> I had. You know? In an intergalactic war somewhere that's as right. the last starfighter. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, that's right. You're going to be called up by the music man and uh, you're, <laughs> you're going to go fight. Uh, yeah, you're going to learn how to use Death Blossom, the whole thing. Damn it, Brian. Why can't I just dream? I, I dream all you want, man, you. but I just don't think anybody's going to call you up for the intergalactic civil war outside of the context of a video game. Says you. Anyway, yeah, I'd like to meet the guys at the booth at a celebration as well. I'm glad that you brought that up. What, uh, just real quickly, what was your overall uh, view on celebration? Celebration was, I mean, it was such a whirlwind. By far the busiest celebration that I think I've, I've ever had. And, uh, and it was it was incredible. I mean, it was so jam packed, and there was so much content. I mean, more content than we've ever had. I remember doing a celebration in 2012 and in 2010, and it was all the Clone Wars. And I, I fiercely love the Clone Wars, but I mean, that was that was the pinnacle of Star Wars at that time. And everything else was, you know, there'd be video games, and I was working on those, and that was great. But now it was just like. I mean, there was Battlefront, there was The Force Awakens, there was Rebels, there was Lost Clone Wars stuff. All the, I mean, there was just, it was like, uh, I felt so spoiled, but there was so yeah. much to do. Every panel was great, and um, by far worked harder at that celebration than any other. And then, of course, we got to do the Smuggler's Bounty radio drama on the yeah. main stage, and I mean, it was just non, non-stop. It's going to be like that forever now. Like, literally... For as long as we're alive and people are buying tickets for Star Wars, that's the way it's going to be, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's okay. As long as people are buying it, yeah. You made an interesting point earlier that I was trying to get back to when I went on to my whole kill-death ratio talk. I got sidetracked by myself. Um, you make a great point. Two weeks ago, me and Brian were talking through Skype or text or whatever, and we were talking about how excited we are for Force Awakens and... You know, I kind of said maybe my wife could put me into a chemical coma just to get me to mid-December or anything. You know, it's it's every day that went by, I was getting a little bit more unbearable because I was so excited to see the movie. But you're absolutely right. With the books and the comics and Rebels, which has been fantastic for me so far, and now with the game, I, I feel I feel like I'm my cup is more full than empty, and I think that I can make it to Force Awakens a little more unscathed than and uh, let, let's just talk uh, briefly about not not briefly, but let's talk about uh, like comics and and things like that. To to get us to comics, I was actually gonna uh, one more comment about Battlefront that leads us to the books. Though, is there was a Battlefront book that came out. Yeah, Twilight um, Company. Yeah, and and I was disappointed that there wasn't like a story in Battlefront. Ah, but reading the book side by side to it, where it kind of covers the main battles, like of of Hoth and Sullust was so cool and now as i'm playing the game having read the book um it adds that context so it, it like they cheated like <laughs> they didn't give me they didn't give me a story mode but they gave me the book so i could imagine the story in my head which i thought was really interesting and, and it's really great to see star wars connecting the dots in that way uh in a way i don't feel like we've ever really seen before um with all of the things and that's kind of like the comics and the the the, the comics and the novels and the TV show and the movies and stuff. It's, it's just, it's different than we've ever had before. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you mean. I, when I'm playing single player in battlefront, I, I I'm such a huge single player guy and, and rarely get on to play multiplayer. So I, I would say that I've been playing more multiplayer with battlefront than, than probably I ever have online on a console just because I'm so used to getting wiped out. 
In fact, um, I've had a couple of times where I've done Walker Assault and I just keep dying repeatedly because clearly that's the map that everyone goes to, you know, when they're already at level 25 or 30 or 50, you know, on their way to 50. I'm only at level 12 and I'm like, I want my jump pack so bad. And (laughs) so, so, um, you know, multiplayer is something that I've traditionally shied away from. However, the, you know, original Battlefront in 2004 was done by Pandemic Studios and I had a really small part in that. I just played this, you know, Imperial briefings officer in the tutorial and that was it. Other than that, I didn't work on the game, but I knew the guys at Pandemic. They'd made a game called The Clone Wars in 2002, um, way before even the Gendy micro series came out. And it was this kind of open world. You can experience the Battle of Geonosis sort of thing, jump in and out of tanks, play Mace Windu, whatever. And that was really sort of a proto Battlefront. And when Battlefront came out, I remember thinking, well, there's no story here. It's all multiplayer. It didn't really appeal to me. Um, but there was a Galactic Conquest mode and there were some other single player mode where you could play against bots. And that was cool. Um, but in the second one, we did that story of the 501st, you know, mm-hmm. and got to record uh, Tamar Morrison telling that story. And, and that was cool. But really, it was just kind of a single player walkthrough of all of the multiplayer maps. You know, I guess my point is that, you know, with DICE having basically two years to make this. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and it's been 10 years since there's been a Battlefront on consoles. The reason for that you know, is is because those games are just incredibly hard to make and Battlefront wouldn't be possible had DICE not been building Battlefield for so many years before that. Mm-hmm. Because you have to build up I mean it's an engineering marvel. It's there's not it's there's very few studios on the planet that can make an open world game like that that not only sort of scratches the itch of just like, you know, doing uh battlefield uh you know hand you know first person combat and do vehicle combat and had them all feel differently. You know, it's just like Rockstar has been building the same Grand Theft Auto game now for 20 years, uh-huh. and they've just been better and better. But the first really successful one was the third one. But they made two before that, you know, but it's, it's an iterative process. So that being said, I hope, you know, if this Battlefront is successful, they'll keep making them, and eventually the single, single player will come out. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't fault them under that turnaround time for not doing it, and that's actually why I'm really glad that they got Alex Freed to... To come in and write that book, the book, uh, for those who haven't read it, I'm not sure if, if uh, both of you have read it or either of you have, um, but uh, it really it really does take you through those battles and puts you in the mind of the infantry so that while you're sitting there playing in the multiplayer maps, uh, you can kind of understand what's at stake in a different way than you have in those Star Wars battles. I mean, with Empire and the Hoth battle, we always kind of knew what was at stake but not from the individual perspectives of the soldiers and the book gives you that. And so I think it like, it just adds so much to the game, even though it has very little to do with the game. Right. You know what? That's interesting because this is a great transition to shattered empire because I felt I haven't read twilight company, but I, but in reading shattered empire and playing battlefront kind of at the same time and kind of revisiting, you know, those issues of, of shattered empire, you know, when Green Squadron's going through all of their all of their uh, their radio communications and, hey, someone's on my tail and, hey, let's clear the path for the Y-Wings so the Y-Wings can come in and, like, you know, cripple the walkers. I just kept thinking, like, wow, you know, I really understand this on a different level because I've actually played this and, and there's been a strategy sort of built up, you know, that, you know, this is what you use to take down chicken walkers. This is how you mm-hmm. this is how you soften up, you know, at so that you can take them down. This is how, you, you know, other than the tow cables like. I love that, you know, the game complements a single player. And I agree with you. I, I, I would love to see more single player. And I think, 
you know, hopefully knock on wood, we'll see, uh, see the franchise just grow. I mean, it's such a social experience and I love that games can kind of give you a deeper understanding of how the star Wars universe works when you're reading comics or watching the movie. What are we going to say, uh, Brian? No, I was going to say like, I was going to, I was going to move us over into shattered empire and, uh, sure. Move us over. Talk about how great that was. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I really liked it. Uh, Greg Greca, I think, uh, created, I think some of my favorite moments in star Wars comics in those four issues. And, uh, I'd like to hear, uh, what kind of stood out for the two of you in those books? David? Yeah, um, I loved uh, Leia walking into the Naboo hangar and getting a, a, a shiver walking over, you know, the, the, the entry portal of Darth Maul in episode one um, and then not knowing what it is and still trying to figure out force sensitivity. And um, I loved in the first episode where, you know, she calls him Lieutenant Dameron and you go, oh, <laughs> I see these yeah. Dameron's parents, you know, any, any sort of tiny little bit of information that we would get about the force awakens through these comics. I just kind of savored those. And that was really fun. No, I think, I think, uh, that moment with Leia, um, was specifically what I was like referring to when, uh, I was like, it's created some of my new favorite moments. I really loved that moment, but I love that whole idea too, that, uh, that Palpatine is sort of on his, um, hitler-like kick to you know like the nero uh the nero orders you know to burn everything down after he's gone right um and and i really love that touch and how naboo is like ground zero for that because i think people i really love what they're doing in this era with naboo specifically where naboo is this really great peaceful place just like alderaan but that's where palpatine came from and we kind of like lost that Um, in the days after revenge of the sith came out because we've all been wondering like we've all we were all like uh in the way the expanded in the world the way the expanded universe was in that post return of the jedi era and now that we have the story group guiding it to where it's heading with force awakens it's so much more interesting to me not that i didn't like the old uh the legends stuff as it stands but uh, the way it weaves everything in and really makes this a generational conflict, like you said with the Damerons too, it's like they're fighting a battle that is so long their kids are still fighting it. And uh, it it really just, it sings to me. Yeah, I like that. Um, I Did you read the Leia comics as well? Yeah, yeah, I did. And she, I, I didn't think those were as strong, but I did really like that one moment on Naboo where she, she sees a stained glass image of her mother as the queen. Yes. She has a moment with it and she doesn't even understand it. I thought yeah. those were kind of some neat moments. You know, I think Leia is such an interesting character because we don't know exactly where she's, we have an idea of where she's going to be at in the force awakens just, you know, through costumes and promotional material. But like, you know, her and how she relates to the force and how she sort of has these sort of extrasensory force moments are still kind of a mystery to me. And and so anytime we get a clue of that, I find it exciting. I found it exciting in the in the Zahn Timothy Zahn yeah. trilogy, you know, when she was barely holding up that lightsaber in front of the Nagri, you know, like with all of her might. Obviously, we've we they've stepped way back from that. Um you know, she's not nearly, she's not nearly there and maybe never will be. But, um, I, I always think the question of Leia and the force is a fascinating one in the, um, the newest issue of star Wars. Um, we got to see her for the first time with a lightsaber for a minute. 
Yeah. Granted, it's before uh, Empire, and it's still, but it, but still, seeing Leia with a lightsaber uh, is a really powerful image to me uh, for those same sorts of reasons. And I'm wondering if we're going to see that in the movie. That was a really interesting move. I I have mixed feelings about that issue. The very latest Star Wars issue, the last, I guess, yeah. the last Star Wars issue. Um, I had really mixed feelings about that moment because of my my reverence for lightsabers and how rare they're supposed to be. And I understand, yeah. you know, when when we were first introduced to all those, all the all that stuff. I love that there's like the Steve Sand Suite of the Jedi world in this in this guy that's been collecting it. You know, mm-hmm. he's got all this uh, all this uh, Jedi memorabilia that he's been illegally collecting. Not that Steve's doing anything illegal, but this idea of of you know the collector culture becoming fictionalized and and then uh, vilified was kind of a great story moment on Narshadah with, you know, this whole horde of, of Jedi memorabilia. But most of those lightsabers were supposed to have been broken. Yeah. You know, and so when they pick them all up and then you have, you know, you don't just have Leia, which was neat, you know, but you had Chewbacca and Han. And I, 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 I still don't know what I think of that. I kind of have mixed feelings because visually it was so cool and it was such a neat idea. But then there's this really sort of conservative part of me that I know a lot of fans have too, which is, but is that, I mean, are they going to confiscate these later? Are they going to break? I mean, what are we going to do with all these lightsabers, you know? And it, yeah. Thoughts? No, and I, I definitely, I was thinking about that as well, where it's like uh, part of the, the really shocking moment at the end of Empire Strikes Back is that Luke doesn't have a saber anymore. Mm-hmm. And when we watch the first 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi before R2 pulls the same move that he does in this comic. That I um, no, no, no. I, I like that. But but there's a suspense there. Like, where would he have gotten a lightsaber? Did he build it himself? Like, where has this happened? And even I think probably um, in the last 20 episodes, we were talking about how watching through Rebels, watching um, Ezra find his uh, kyber crystal yeah. and going in through a Jedi temple and watching um, all of the younglings go through the through their uh, the Jedi temple on Ilum to get their kyber crystals and watching all of these new pieces come together where Luke is sort of visiting Jedi temple after Jedi temple, um, that there's a story we haven't been told or, and maybe we will never be told between empire and Jedi where he has to go to a Jedi temple and find his own Kyber crystal and create that saber himself. Or now he could just go to Gracchus the huts. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it it is true. I mean, we saw this with Grievous, right? Grievous was collecting lightsabers. It is true. There is a, a question of what happened to the, the sabers of all these dead jedi i mean they've been around forever what happens to them and so i understand the you know the desire to take creative license with it you know you've got to have some sort of stories with with this stuff and it shouldn't necessarily be off limits but to me it just raised the question of well what are they going to do about that next because you know even in even in the force awakens we haven't seen it but there's that shot where someone is handing over you know, the old, I mean, Anakin Skywalker lightsaber hilt yeah. to somebody. And we've seen it again and again now for like better part of a year. It's, it's been, it's been almost exactly a year. Yeah. Right. So what does that mean? I, I, it, to me, it says, well, these are very rare instruments. This is a very rare find. This is, this is legend. So to have all of these lightsabers, I just, I'm curious as to where it's going to go. And of course now we're moving into Vader down. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Everything's moving towards Vader down, the Darth Vader comics. And and I thought Shattered Empire was too short. I wanted it to keep going. I really agree. I uh, I think I wanted more Luke, too. Uh, that fourth issue is our only glimpse of Luke that we'll have after Return of the Jedi. Um, 
before The Force Awakens comes out. The only thing I had to add about Shattered Empire that you two haven't covered yet is I think the art style's a little... The Leia comic I liked a lot. The, the Darth Vader comic I was back and forth with. Um, it had me, it didn't have me, then it had me again. But this one, just the artwork itself, just looking, going through the pages. And did you guys feel like a different or a stronger connect to the artwork in Shattered Empire? Or is that just something that was only for me? I, I loved the art. I, I haven't really seen... There's not a Star Wars comic that Marvel's put out so far in the new canon that I've disliked um, as far as the artwork is concerned. Um, I think my favorite right now might be Chewbacca. Phil Noto's work there is just amazing. I haven't gotten to see that one um, yet. But uh, I thought Shattered Empire looked really good. It had a really cool um, vibe to it yeah. that, that worked really well for me. A lot of lights and a lot of darks. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I really liked it. I, I have to say, I haven't read Chewbacca and I haven't read Lando yet. Those are two of my, I'm still have, still making my way through all these, but my favorite comic overall, and this was actually a surprise to me um, uh, because I was, I was, so, I'm still so excited about the force awakens. So it was a surprise when after reading it, I was like, this is my strongest one for me is the Canaan series. Yeah. 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 It's really good. It really is. It's good. so good. And it's another unexplored area, you know, between three and four, you know, what are they going to do here? You know, we, we did the force unleashed and we, we did that whole version of it. And, you know, the rebels thing is interesting because of, of that, that, uh, that time period as well. But this was like seeing what he did after order 66 and then falling for the trap that the, you know, when they set the homing beacon and then, you know, being, warned against it by obi-wan kenobi like that whole thing that you that played out in episode three seeing a young confused padawan deal with that i mean was so powerful and and, and it really make, made me appreciate that character so much more and the art style is obviously so different than rebels and it it made me think that kanan kanan was cooler not that i i don't think he's cool in rebels but there was just something about the art in that book you know, and like you know he's the reason his hair grew long is because he was a wild child living in the streets and scrapping scavenging for food and you know that all that kind of stuff uh i just i just loved it that's i i mean i loved shattered empire but i gotta say i and this is surprising kanan's my favorite one so far although i'm still holding out uh because i hear lando is incredibly strong Lan lando's really good um that kanan book though i don't know how caught up you guys are um i just finished reading the newest issue today um and the new story arc kind of takes him where uh Depa Balaba is where she chooses him as a Padawan. So they've gone even further back in time for this next story. Yeah. And I'm really just loving it. And, I, and that one, I read that one. Uh, I think I'm all caught up on that one. Um, and, and yeah, Pepe Larraza's art is just fantastic. It, and, and I love seeing the rebels characters in that, um, in that art style too, which is not something you'd normally get for clone wars for us to get something outside of the, the uh the look and feel of the animated show of those characters i don't think it happened very often yeah. um because they were very on point with how the brand worked uh as far as clone wars but this they let they let the comics kind of do their own thing and uh well no dark horse did do some clone wars comics that were in their sort of regular style especially with quinlan voss traversing through that but none of it was the, the point is is none of it was uh as striking or interesting as the way the, they're drawing the rebels crew in 
in this right now. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah. Let me steer this a different way, if I could. Well, we had Sam. We were back on the show a while ago, and I just I'm just impressed with Sam, and I I loved his um, his voice at work in Force Unleashed because that's probably for me my two favorite Star Wars games. Uh, Force Force Unleashed. Well, I can never say the words right, but that's probably my favorite two video games. And you worked on these games as well, and now you guys are um, twitching. You're live streaming this. Can, can you tell everybody about that? Sure. Yeah. If you go to, um, it's on YouTube on the com link. Now we've, uh, got an archive of our live Twitch streams, but the past three weeks we've been doing these, um, live Twitch streams of Sam and I, well, I played the game for all of three minutes, but really just kind of sitting with Sam and, and telling lies basically. But no, I mean, the force unleashed was a good two years of my life, uh, solid at LucasArts as the as the audio lead. And, um, and then of course I played the character of proxy mm-hmm. and Darth Maul and a couple of Rodians and Jabba the Hutt eventually in, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the, uh, downloadable content expansion. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was a, a really great time. So now we just decided, Hey, why don't we just do a live stream? Sam, Sam started just doing Twitch streaming. He has his own Twitch channel, Sam, where, where you can go and subscribe to it if you're on that. But for those that don't know, it, Twitch is, you know, uh, kind of new. Uh, it's kind of like YouTube, but you can go on and, and you can uh, sit there and, and do like a live hangout type of thing and, and comment. And people ask us questions live and sit there in the chat room and we answer them. And we just did some giveaways last week because we had artists, Manny, Manny Lamas on and uh, Brett Rector, who's the old editor in chief of Star Wars Insider from you know the early 2000s and was also an, a, pr- a producer on the Force of I almost said Force Awakens <laughs> on the Force Unleashed. Um, and uh, before that, we had Matt Omernick, who I'm actually working on a, uh, a video game title with uh, right now. Um, not Star Wars related, but what he's doing is really interesting too. But um, So we've just been having guests of the show, or of the show, guests from, from the game production on and, and talking about it. And so you can go to the Comlink uh, YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Comlink, and you can check that out. I think you're doing a great job with it. Um, back again, back when I got my Xbox over the summer, uh, a lot of listeners asked me about if I was going to Twitch and, and do all those things. I had no idea what it was. Uh, but sitting back and thinking about it, I thought if if somebody's going to do it, they need to do it right. It needs to be interesting and it needs to be, it really has to grab people. And I think these are doing it in such a way that I, I think it's fantastic. And it's one, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up. And I just want to quickly say thank you for all the work you did on those, those games, because like I said, they were, they were my favorites and um, I got a lot. I still put those in 360 and I still get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of them and share them with my, my daughter now too. And so anyway, thank you for all your hard work. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. It really does. I mean, it was, uh, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my <laughs> life. Uh, for details about that, you can check out the Twitch stream. But it was uh, it was an incredible time at LucasArts post prequel trilogy, pre Clone Wars, where everything was just kind of new and experimental, and and technology was new, the team was new, the story, the team, everything <clears throat> in a new building. ILM yeah. with um, yeah, Sam Sam. Uh, I don't remember if it was he when he was on the show or when I was um, talking to him at a convention, but he was saying that like. The Force Unleashed is one of the things he gets asked constantly. Like, yeah, it's on the show. Is, that, is it? Is is that still canon? Uh, is that a question you get a lot too? Um, you know, people generally, it's. It, I think it's a little different. I mean, Sam. Sam is. No one gets that question more than Sam. No one because he is a. I mean, his face is on the box. It's on both. Yeah. Boxes, right. So he's 
he was, and I, I could be wrong about this. That was not certainly not the first motion, motion capture game or likeness capture game, but I believe it was one of the first, if not the very first um, moment in video games where you had an actor whose likeness, movement, and voice was all, like that actor was the lead in yeah, the game. Yeah. You know, he was the Laura Croft. He was the, you know, the main character um, in, in that game. So, um, you know, he was Starkiller. So he's kind of a walking, talking, you know, avatar of Starkiller or vice versa. So he gets asked about it all the time because people see him and they see the game. Um, there's a one-to-one there that you don't even have with Darth Maul. Yeah. Right. So people just stop him and they immediately ask about it. So no one asks, I, they, you know, they ask me about Force Unleashed 3 all the time, more than they ask about <laughs> Canon. That's the, huh. the number one question that I get. Um, obviously, I, I don't work at, I work for Lucasfilm as a contractor quite often, but I don't work there. And um, if there was a Force Unleashed 3, of course, we would all jump and want to work on it. But uh, their guess is as good as mine. Um, but that question comes up a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, the question of canon, I think is, I think most people kind of, kind of know that it fell into legends, just like the old Republic fell into legends. But my take, my take on canon is, you know, in, in good faith, everyone did what they could to preserve canon and make it all sequential. But when Disney buys the company and they suddenly are going to put out five movies in five years, it, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, that certain things have to change. You know, I mean, do you have a movie with Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon and just leave Chewbacca out? You know, and there's, it's, I, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of difficult questions and, and, um, you know, I loved, you know, all those books. I didn't quite get all the way through the, the new Jedi order and vector prime and all that kind of stuff. But when the books were first coming out, I was really into all of them, read all of them all the way through, I think to the Carillion trilogy and then got overwhelmed by the sheer number of them. Yeah, um, no, I agree. But, uh, apparently i missed the best stuff you know the best stuff came after i stopped reading apparently <laughs> um, but uh but yeah the canon question have it, I, it's hard because i feel like canon is a way of generating great ideas that ends up kind of going into the main branch like for example in the force unleashed this character kasdan paratus is on this junk planet and he's he's a jedi that's gone insane and he's got spider legs mm-hmm. well what does uh, that sound like or to clone exactly you know um there's a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of uh, Starkiller in the Inquisitors or in the Shadow Troopers. You know, those have kind of survived. Um, a lot of those ideas kind of keep getting revisited. And, and I take it as a compliment, you know, and that's really uh, the best you can. And I, I remember being thrilled when, you know, Sam and Adrian Wilkinson, I got a call asking for their contact info from uh, Filoni's office, not from Dave, but from the person casting at the time and said, Hey, do you have the agency info for Sam Whitworth and Adrian, Adrian Wilkinson? We're interested in putting them in the clone wars. I remember thinking, wow, that's awesome. You know, and then they ended up in the this trilogy in season three. And I just thought, wow, well, that's a great little crossover because I think the clone wars was trying to, especially working directly under George was trying to embrace all the star Wars initiatives that had been going on. And that's something that Dave's really good at is just trying to bring it all together, but it's a huge almost impossible task in my opinion after working there for for a long time and just seeing you know how vast the star wars universe is and how many ideas there are and certainly when you want to make this many new movies i I don't know (laughs) well i think um i from my perspective i don't think there's anything that says they have to be uh, like i'm glad that we have the force unleashed but i wouldn't say i wouldn't go in and say 
um, because the Force Unleash has to be canon, we would have never gotten Rebels. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't say, like, I'm really glad we have the Force Unleashed and I can still play them. And I really love, like, I don't think there was anything more fun than playing it on a Wii with the the nunchuck and the the controller using as a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hold the sanctity of canon up if if it meant that I would be robbed of one or the other. And I'm just glad we have both and it doesn't matter to me yeah. which is Legends or which is canon. It's just like, I've got it all and that's all I need. I agree with you because I, 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 I'm not one of those people that worry about canon. I'm sorry. I just don't. I, I worry about what you got. You guys laughed at me about this last week, but I, I, I like what's interesting to me. I like what's fun. I'm not worried about uh, all these little things that people get in an uproar about. Um, for me, so there was, we had the original trilogy and there was, you know, there's spaces in between and the dark times. And then we had uh, that book. And then we had the prequels. And then I'm not saying I fell off from Star Wars, but I don't live in an area where there's a lot of Star Wars fans. So for me, it wasn't I didn't get to play any tabletop games or I tried to play what video games I could get my hands on and do. But with that series of video games, I think that's what really brought me back to Star Wars, like in a in that loving, collecting, just being enveloped in that. And that's why I wanted to say thank you, because I don't worry about little things, but that's I think that's what brought me back. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And it was very much a. um in a in a very prequel driven era, it was kind of a, a a very large and strong departure from that, um, which made it kind of unique because then we jumped kind of more back into the prequel era. Uh, and you know, I'm a I'm a prequel supporter, so I, and you know, I worked on so many prequel video games, and um, <clears throat> but uh, but it was it was definitely a, a very very different departure at the time from where we had just been with three prequel movies and everything else. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, you know, it's been great to revisit it and do all that stuff with Sam and, you know, I mean, Sam and I have been friends for so many years and, and, uh, you know, his, he's such a huge Star Wars fan, as you guys know, and it just really brought us together. I mean, he wanted to, we didn't know each other. He was going to school with my, my childhood friend and my childhood friend, Patrick, Patrick Callahan said to him, uh, you know, my, my buddy David's working at LucasArts and Sam just wanted to meet me just because he was such a fan of X-Wing Alliance and, and all the old, all the old adventure games and was a huge uh, gamer and Star Wars fan. And so he just said, Hey, can I have his phone number? And he just called me one day. This is like 2001 and probably just talked to him. We just talked for like three hours, you know, easy to talk to Sam. Yeah. And that was it. That was it. And it just kind of sparked this, this uh, friendship, you know, and, you know, I thought it was cool because he was booking roles on Battlestar and Dexter. And I was so impressed with, you know, hit, with him as a person and he thought it was cool that i was working there and you know he's he's a he's a true friend and i said this in the um in the in the commentary you know on twitch but i'll say it again one of my favorite sam stories is you know the first day i met him and we were talking he asked me if i had played you know we were comparing notes about video games we played he said have you played medal of honor allied assault and i said no i haven't played it and then he asked me about Fallout 2, and he asked me a couple other things. And I said, no, I haven't. He's like, you got to play him. And he just started describing him. Anyway, about three days later, in the mail shows up Sam's physical CD-ROMs of those <laughs> used. Clearly, he, just, he, did, he didn't think about it. He just took them, he put them in the mail, and he just mailed them to me. And then he called me saying, did you play it yet? Did you play it yet? <laughs> that's, he's that's awesome. how he is. That's how that kind of guy he is. He's, he's the real article. You know, he, he's... You know, he's one of those people that you meet and you go, I, I didn't think anyone knew more, more about Star Wars than me and then, until you meet that guy. And uh, he's definitely like that. So well, he's fascinating to listen to. And he, and he talks much like you. He talks with so much passion about it. 
and and any subject that comes up it's again like you and brian and bobby it's just there's always like i like to sit back and listen because it's you guys have great stories and you, you always have something to say and that's good Awesome. And uh, other things to say, Brian, what about uh, some trailer music? Do you want to talk well, about no, that? Well, no, I was going to say we'd be remiss if we had you on the show and didn't ask you your perspective on the the music from the new TV spot and the... Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, if, if you don't mind, I mean, um, I know, you know, Bobby and I email every once in a while, too, because he, I know he listens to my podcast about John Williams. Um, for those of you listening and don't know, I, 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 I have a podcast... Uh, called Star Wars Oxygen, the Music of John Williams, where I, I've been going for now for about two years, actually two years this month. Uh, Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. How long has Full of Sith been going, by the way? Uh, we'll be three years in January. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. It's close. Very close. Yeah. And we only do it uh, once a month. So a weekly podcast is is incredible. It's, it's a huge amount of uh, commitment and fun, but it's like anything. It's like once you get into the rhythm of it, you can't not do it. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, um, I'll be doing a kind of a, a, a deeper dive on that, on that piece, but you know, a lot of people hit me up on Twitter about that new music and, you know, we've done analysis on, on previous trailers and things like that, especially the one with this, with the Monday night football, um, not being John Williams, all of that. Mm-hmm. But this to me, to my ear immediately sounded like the real deal. Um, this new music, this bum, 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 you know, that whole thing. I think I, I don't know if I have a, oh no, my, my piano is not on. Wait, is it? Can I turn it on? That's the real question. Oh no, that's a trumpet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I sit in front of my keyboard, but yeah, to me, one of the things that I said on the Force Unleashed Twitch stream is how, uh, how close it sounded to the Force Unleashed theme. You know, yeah. one is bum 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 bum, and the other one is bum 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 bum. So very close that way. Um, it's probably pure coincidence, but sometimes you know there are temp scores and things like that. But I have no idea. Um, I've seen some some videos online of people comparing it to the Imperial March because it's got this kind of open minor thing. But that's what Bobby said. Yeah, is that what Bobby said? I mean, I, Bobby, Bobby talks a lot about music and it kind of goes over our heads. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, I, you know, I won't get too deep into it, but I will just kind of say that, I mean, it sounded like John Williams to me. It sounded new. Um, one thing that, uh, we, we should say though, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this is that we don't know what that is. We don't yeah. know it's race theme. We don't know yeah. anything. I mean, it's pure speculation. I was walking through the Disney store. Uh, we have a Disney store at this mall that we live really close to. And um, just walking through there, looking at all the merchandise. And, and I turn to my wife and I just go, I have never seen, well, at least, no, the Phantom Menace is the only other exception. You know, th- there is so much merchandise that has become, and even BB-8 has become such a huge part of pop culture, all for a movie that hasn't even been released yet. And all CoverGirl for- makeup. Did you see that? Yeah, CoverGirl makeup in a, in <laughs> CBS or Longs or whatever. Um, you know, like it's become, we've just assimilated all this stuff and just made it our own, you know, that I have to catch myself and stop myself from saying, oh yeah, that's Ray's theme. Or that's Vincent. We don't know. Like, who knows? We don't. Go for yeah. another, you know? Well, and that's, is that, uh, do you think that's sort of a, knowing how people consume trailers and associate music to characters already, do you think that's necessarily um dangerous for them in the marketing to have us associating music with characters already even though that might not be 
the thing, you know, with the prequel trailers that we they were all very recognizable pieces of music, mm-hmm. typically from the classic trilogy. So we already knew what they were supposed to evoke. So when um, Darth Maul's Sith infiltrator comes on the screen to the Imperial March, we're like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, we know where that music comes from. But with this new music, it's uh, it's a little different. They could be playing a bit of a dangerous game here. I think just remembering again, I could be rem- remembering totally wrong, but uh, we discussed, I think, that um, that theme from that that spot that that could be Kylo Ren's music because it was so similar. That's right, because Bobby said it was so similar to it could be like the Imperial March. Yeah, it we, could don't, be. we don't we don't know. know. We don't know. Um, One last question for you. Um. I want to know just how, uh, how excited, like what you're going to do to sit down and listen to that CD or does anybody have CDs anymore? Um, when you download eventually the, uh, I'd like the force vinyl. awakens soundtrack, you know, what's, what's that scene going to be like? Well, first in- of all, I, I still, I exclusively buy CDs. I'm, I'm still that Luddite that buys CDs because they sound better and that's what I listen to in my car. And I find that the car is usually where I do most of my music listening. Luckily, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just works so well. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I will have the CD. I'll probably do the vinyl as well. Um, yeah, me too. But, uh, you know, and then I just rip it and it becomes part of my iTunes library and all that. But, um, I like having the backup and I like having the art and I don't buy a lot of CDs anymore, but you know, if I'm going to buy music, it's already something special for me to do. Um, so I'd like to have a physical copy for my purchase and then just rip it. And then I've got both. Um, it's like, do you buy the comic or do you do the digital? Actually, ironically, I stopped buying hard copies of comics and I just now buy them all on the Marvel app. Mm-hmm. That's what I do too. It's, it's just easier for me. Yeah. It's just easier. And then you're not storing it. And you know, I've got already too many sideshow and gentle giant things. Horse <laughs> like, Friday stuff. I haven't even opened. And anyway, so, um, yeah, I, I uh, I don't want to open it until I see the movie. So I imagine that I will be looking at it on on Friday the 18th, I'm seeing the movie on Thursday evening, the 17th at seven 30. And then again at two in the morning at the Chinese theater in Hollywood with about 50 other people. Look at you. Bit- That's awesome. Including Amy. You'll be there with Amy. Yep. Right? Be there with Amy. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, um, you know, all, all the usual suspects, um, the LA usual suspects. And there are even some people flying in. Um, so it should be fun. Um, you know, my wife said she's going to go. I don't know how either of us are going to stay awake, but I have, I imagine that I'll, at least I'll be awake. <laughs> and I'm sure the the energy of the theater is just going to be insane. I don't think, yeah. gonna, you know, and there's a Starbucks next door. So we'll hit that first. I think the same thing. I mean, we're going to be doing the marathon before the movie and yeah. it's going to be physically and mentally exhausting. But then, I mean, once you get to, to Force Awakens, I mean, just your endorphins and your adrenaline is going to be so high that will just keep you up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. And and you know, when on the Phantom Menace I saw it twice in, or three times in 24 hours, I remember. Um and this is this is twice in a night, which I think is awesome. And I haven't done that yeah. since the Phantom Menace because I was there for Clones and and Sith and it was a little different because I I already kind of knew the movies going in and um so this one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, we're doing something similar. We're seeing it, and then what the Comic Con one, Salt Lake Comic Con one at ten, yeah, or something so like that. Mike and I are actually hosting the marathon, uh, the one marathon they're doing here in Utah. Mike's fl- flying out from from Philadelphia to do it with me, and uh, we tried to get Amy out, but she said your your screening was was the one she was going to. The force is strong um, with you. But we're going to see the the marathon, and then the seven o'clock show on the seventeenth, and then the 
and then we've got a 10 o'clock show we're going to. So Amazing. Amazing. I have no idea how I'm going to stay awake at all. I can't wait. I, so I know that you have a million things that you do, and you do them so well. And, and, and uh, again, I, I send my thanks to you. And, and uh, sorry that Amy couldn't be here with us tonight talking with you, too, and Bobby, because I know Bobby was really looking forward to it as well. But hopefully we can uh, get some time with you after the movie and uh, the, the four of us with you, the five of us, could sit down and, and discuss post-Force we're gonna Awakens. do. I mean, everybody's gonna be doing a thousand post Force Awakens shows. I'm sure because oh yeah, you want to hear what everybody else thinks about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had we had talked about doing a live uh, oxygen listening party or something like that, but I <laughs> just don't know if people want to hear me talk over it that much. It's it's funny because you know when everyone's gonna be talking about it, and I had this moment of like, do I really want to start talking about the music and analyzing it before we've all had a chance to just live with it for a while? You know. Um, but I, I just think that we're all going to be talking about it so much anyway, that I have a feeling that between, um, end of, you know, mid December to the new year, it's just going to be, I think a lot of conversation and podcasts and yeah, it's gonna be nuts. Like you said, after you're with a piece of music for a while, it does, it changes you. It changes the way you feel about it. Um, there's a lot of CDs or albums that I listen to and some of the tracks I'm not totally in love with end up over time being my favorite. So it'd be interesting to hear what you think. Uh, post movie and then hear it hear what you think about it a few months down the road as well yeah absolutely because you know even your 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 opinion of movies changes over time yeah yeah My opinion of the prequels have, have changed over time um you know uh some things that i thought were super super weak i now feel are strong some things that i really liked i actually am indifferent about you know there's there's all kinds of things that happen and you know we we get older and change and um, you know, the force awakens, we're just going to be so overwhelmed by, you know, our hair being blown back that I'm looking forward to actually more than just, you know, between then and new year's, the six months following before we start thinking about rogue one, the six months following just kind of like slowly digesting what it was that we just all experienced and what it means. Yeah. You know, that'll be really fun. Um, you know, and be able to finally talk about all these things and, and it's it's interesting because in in uh, leading up to the Force Awakens, and I say this to people a lot, you know, especially when the when the subject of spoilers came up, which isn't really a hot topic as much anymore because there's so much promotional material hitting us that more and more people I feel like are trying to avoid it. But this whole leading up to it to it, the anticipation is a very memorable moment in Star Wars fandom that we will look back on that I don't really necessarily think that we're appreciating at the time because. Yeah. All we can think about is December. That's it. Yeah. But post December, I have a feeling we're going to be thinking about, you know, November of 2014 to December of 2015 a lot and what that period was really like as a Star Wars fan because that really was the fandom kind of reawakening and watching Disney do this spectacular rollout of all this new stuff. You know, and 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 that level of excitement, I think, was, I think the level of excitement that we're experiencing right now, today, talking about this stuff, will stick with us for many years to come. I think this is probably the the most anticipation we're going to get, right? I mean, since they announced the buyout and that there were more movies coming, this is the longest period we'll have, we'll have had to wait for a new movie. Um, yeah, you know, because in between, Rogue One, be less time. Rogue One's a year away. Mm-hmm. And then episode eight's a year and a half away already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really funny that you mentioned about last November. I think David, one of the first comments I watched was you. I think you were at uh, maybe away for the holidays, like Thanksgiving, and you were 
giving your reaction on that first yeah. uh, kind of teaser with Ray on the speeder and stuff like that. If I remember it correctly, you're outside, there's snow. It's really, yep. really a cool little thing. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and thinking back to that moment, um, it just makes me think sort of the same thing you were saying. I am anxious to be post Force Awakens and uh, think about the lead up and all the things that we went through as a, as a, in fandom and, and as fans and as friends and the discussions that we had and to go back and see what we got, maybe what we got right or how foolish we were on certain things. And it, I think you're exactly right. Right now we, we were blindsided by that, but I think we're going to look back really reminiscent on it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the comlink was born out of that. You know, the comlink was born out of, you know, a bunch of people sitting around LA going, I cannot stand that I just wrapped Celebration 2013 in Germany and I have to wait two years. I can't stand, yeah. I can't sit still. You know, <laughs> I couldn't sit still and, and J.C. Reifenberg couldn't sit still. And so we, we just started shooting and James Arnold Taylor got really super involved and eventually, awesome. you know, uh, lent us a, a space in Burbank, and um, which we don't have anymore, unfortunately. Um, and uh, we, we had everything kind of set up. I mean, we got to the point where it was so overblown, you guys. I mean, I can't even tell you, like, we had full on, I mean, we had a full lighting rigs and green screen and giant cameras and, you know, a green room. And I mean, it, it, it and, a, and multiple sets, you know, and multiple shows. And we all kind of had the same sense after celebration that like, you know, uh, Star Wars had caught up to us. Like, you know, there was this void that I feel like we were trying to fill because we just, mm-hmm. we were just making a show that we wanted to see. And we didn't understand why there wasn't like a daily, I still don't understand why there isn't a daily star wars talk show you know um and we thought well would the comic get picked up you know it never really did we still do it but basically we're just releasing stuff that we find interesting to us i mean amy came on and we're co-hosting but you know we're kind of a show without a home right now um so we've just been putting out videos that we find interesting like the sam commentaries and you know our trip to visit gus lopez and things like that but yeah i mean that period really i think got a lot of people on fire for star Wars because the, 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 the excitement was just almost more that I could take, you know, <laughs> that's true for a lot of people. I, it's a, what a great thing that a brand can still do that to us so many years later. Yeah. That's I mean, that's what full of Sith was born out of. It was literally, they, they made the announcement about the buyout in October. And I turned to Mike, uh, by that November and said, Hey, we, we should be doing a show. And then the show started, we started recording in December and then started releasing and we haven't missed a week, uh, since, since January, right after the buyout. And it was because we were going to be having these conversations anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the great thing because like back in the infancy of the internet and the prequels, there was forums and there, you could go talk to people in, in chat rooms and all those things. But now with podcasting, you can go to iTunes and you can find a lot of quality star Wars talk shows and there is just, it's everywhere. And we have all this content and we've everybody in your life that knows you're a big star Wars fan at work or your family. Everybody has that connection with you now that all this is building up and the excitement and all these products are everywhere. And, and um, I just, I'm just happy that we're, we get this again. I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. All right. Well, David, um, thank you for all your time tonight. Like I said, I'd love to have you back on after the, after the movie and, and discuss things, but can you, um, I'm going to put all the links in our, in our show notes, of course, but you want to tell everybody anywhere else that you want them to see you at like Facebook or Twitter or. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely check out star Wars battlefront. If you're, if you're thinking about it, you know, and, um, you know, here's some of the work in there. Um, 
Star Wars Uprising is also something that I that I've been working on um, here and there pretty regularly, mostly doing music editing and ambient sound and a little bit of sound design. That's a fun free mobile game uh, that also takes place around the Shattered Empire. In fact, one of the planets from the planet you start on in Upri- Uprising is called Burn and Con and and uh, was mentioned in the Shattered Empire comics uh, briefly. Um, uh, of course, the Comlink you can follow uh, at the Comlink on Twitter. Go to thecomlink.com. My Twitter is at David W. Collins. And uh, yeah, there's I've got more stuff that I'll be just kind of announcing and stuff that I'm working on in the future. Um, if people are really curious to know what I'm up to right now as a sound designer or composer, I'm, I'm working on a, uh, a video game that is actually set to hopefully, knock on wood, be the first ever FDA-approved video game that uh, is going to be used to potentially analyze and treat um certain mental conditions like adhd or autism whoa um and uh and that is getting a lot of write-ups we just published our findings that it actually you know and we're working with you know neuroscientists and and this big company back in in boston um you know and that's a company it's a company called pure tech ventures anyway it's called uh project evo and i uh wrote a score for that and we're just uh submitting it for clinical trials and all that kind of stuff that's amazing this month yeah and so that's been really really fun uh, a lot of voiceover stuff coming up but uh yeah it's it's really an exciting time um there's so much great stuff going on and uh i'll be sure to uh be out there uh on the internet <laughs> i'm not blowing smoke but that usually just gave me chills that that is really really cool i look forward to learning more about that and bobby would get mad at uh if he were here uh, he would uh, plug oxygen repeatedly, and he would be mad at us if we didn't also, and that people should listen to 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 your breakdowns of music there. Oh, yeah, you should check out oxygen. Yeah, Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams, is part of the Rebel Force Radio uh, group of shows um, that uh, that I do every month. That's uh, kind of taken on a life of its own, and and is probably something. I mean, I I I love that show, and I'm, and uh, I've put a lot of work into it as well, and. And I've learned so much out of that show and, and got, I've gotten gigs out of that show, <laughs> you know, like, really? yeah, it's funny. I, I, I did an animated, uh, animated pilot as a composer recently because, um, uh, someone had heard star Wars oxygen and then kind of got to know me and asked me if I'd be interested in submitting, uh, you know, for, for working on this animated show. And I said, sure. And I did. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, one of the listeners of the show is this guy, Robert Lopez, who he and his wife wrote frozen. And FQ and, and Book of Mormon. And so now he emails me or tweets me every month going, did you talk about this? Did you talk about this? You know, so it's it's been a really fantastic thing. And it's taught me something about uh, Star Wars and how universal it is and how powerful and under uh, uh, underappreciated. I, what's a better? Because people appreciate the music. How how little we talk about the music um, when compared to its overall importance to the saga. And I think it's because we have we don't really have a practiced and developed language to, you know, articulately talk about music enough. And that's one of the things that I love, you know, doing about the show is I want to make it palatable and easy for people to understand that aren't necessarily, you know, people that study music, but still can kind of connect to it in a dramatic way, in a story way, uh, and maybe listen a little, little deeper music appreciation. That's absolutely what I love about star Wars and that there's just about, every slice of star Wars, you can find that deeper appreciation in a way that, that I don't think people give George Lucas enough credit for just putting together the best of every, um, every discipline, whether that's 
models or painters or musicians or uh, anything. And then being able to put, put it together in that movie. And then now we can have conversations um, to dissect those things and learn about things not, I mean, related to Star Wars tangentially, but dive deeper into these things and learn something more about the world around us, whether that's, um, whether that's the music or, or like the stuff I do on starwars.com, like diving into film history and star Wars and things like that. Like it's, it's broadening. I love that stuff by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, it's broadening people, um, and what they know. And, and I just, I love that about star Wars. It's, I think one of my favorite things about it. I just, you, you two speak about this so eloquently and I'm not just downing myself to do it, but he's do such a good job. And I just want to share in my own way uh, about the music. And, um, it's just something that I, that happened to me on Thursday. I work at a college and I was going into a room to fix something, uh, to fix a computer for an Apple for one of the users. And I was downstairs in the, the lobby of this, this building. And I heard Star Wars music start playing through from the, uh, the floor above me. And I kind of, I was like helping a user. I'm like, excuse me for a second. And I had to run upstairs and seek out where this music was coming from. And, um, and I, I just sat down and I watched the, 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 the orchestra playing it and how just just hearing just a little bit of the music or hearing uh, just a full orchestra play it, it just takes me back. And, and I know that might sound a little weird, but it takes me back to being, you know, that eight year old watching Return of the Jedi or, you know, just being a little kid playing with my my toys and listen, and having the vinyl on my parents record player while I was playing with the toys. And it just takes me back. And uh, you're right. I think it's, I don't know if undervalued is a word or under, under, underappreciated, but it, for the, the saga and everything, I think it's, it's so important and it means so much. And so, yeah, the oxygen, definitely, if everybody gets a chance to check that out, you're doing yourself a big favor. Well, thank you very much. And, and thanks you guys for having me on. It's an honor and I'd love to come back. Great. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon then. I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. And we'll talk soon. Definitely. Listen, I, I love talking to people who love Star Wars and uh, only briefly got to talk to David out at Celebration and to sit here tonight and, and talk to him and listen to his stories and how, again, how eloquently you both talk about things. And, and, and you make me think when I listen to people like Sam or Bobby or David or Amy or you, I listen to people talk about Star Wars, other shows, and it, and it always makes me think about things that I might not have came to on my own. And and so I think episodes like this are really important because it it stimulates even more conversation that's going to happen after people listen to this episode. So uh, it was fun having him on. But we usually go about an hour. But tonight we're going to give you another extended show like we did last week. But wait, um, I, there's more. Yeah, but wait, there's more. Um, you have some great. Uh, you have something great to share with us tonight too, right? Yeah. So um, uh, I got to talk to uh, Alexander Freed, who wrote uh, Battlefront Twilight Company. Uh, which is the tie-in for Battlefront uh, uh, novel, and it was it was really good. Have you have you finished it, Mike? I have not finished it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you don't have to lie to me. You never have to lie to me. Mike. I will. How, I will finish it. I just haven't. How far but into we, it are you? I, I, I'm probably halfway through. Um, we've been doing um, chapter reports, me and Anya, and we've been putting them together on paper. So when they're done, I'll send them to you. I would appreciate that. I will grade them also. Yeah, Arish sent, uh, well, he gave me a copy at New York Comic Con. He sent another copy for Anya. So we've been reading them separately and sometimes at bedtime. And we've been putting together little, you know, just like two, three paragraphs per chapter. And we're going to put that away. And then when we're older and other movies come out, we can go back to that book and see our, our book report. Um, but no, this this interview, this interview is a lot, a lot of fun. And like I was telling telling David, like, 
if you're disappointed by the lack of story in the Battlefront game, read this book because the sequences on Hoth and the sequences on Solist add so much gravitas to those maps in the game that mm-hmm. it's just it's so good. Yeah, I I would I like a uh, single player mode. I, I would, but I'm not disappointed by this game at all. And you know why, Brian? Because it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's fun. But I waited for it for a really long time, and I'm not disappointed at all. And I got to tell you, this interview with Alex it re- went really well. He's a really interesting guy, and uh, he's worked on everything. And so, if you're interested in the Old Republic, if you're interested in the um, the video games in general, I mean, he's another guy who's been where David does the music thing and the voice and audio thing for video games and has been doing it for Star Wars forever. Um, Alex has been that for writing. So he's been writing, he's been writing Star Wars, even though this is his first novel, he's been writing Star Wars for years Wow! in these video games. And so this, uh, yeah, this interview was just really fascinating to me, both as a writer and as a Star Wars fan and someone who really liked the book he wrote. So yeah, all right, well, let's check it out right now. Okay. Thanks for uh, agreeing to talk to me about the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't know, just, just for context in case, uh, I don't know, uh, we actually had dinner together at New York Comic Con with Erich and Tom oh, th- okay. that first night. So, <gasps> I'm, I'm terrible with names, so yeah, thank you for... Uh... I figured, like, I just never assume anyone remembers who I am, so I figured <laughs> it's safer to... Uh, to just let you know, like, hey, we've met before. You might you might remember me from that dinner. I don't know. I was probably being loud and obnoxious or something. No, I, I now now I can place you. Um, but yeah, like names sort of go right through me. And unfortunately, I'm not particularly good with faces either. Uh-huh. Like I can remember like hairstyles and totally useless stuff. But... <laughs> Which, uh, as long as you can remember the names of the characters in your book, that's probably not a bad thing. Well, like, that, that's why you keep a cheat sheet. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as far as uh, as far as as uh, Twilight Company, um, the the first thing I, I kind of try to ask everyone is, what was your introduction to Star Wars in the first place? Yeah, so I mean, I I am old enough and young enough that. I do not remember when I was first introduced to Star Wars because I was that little. Um, I am told that um, my family's first uh, first video cassette rental uh, was The Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, I must have seen that when I was a tiny, tiny child. And really, I can I can't remember not being familiar with Star Wars. I can't even remember seeing any of the original trilogy for the first time. Um, I grew up with like the little, uh, you know, 40 page children's adaptations of the movies with the photo illustrations, you know, and, and read those over and over. Um, you know, eventually we had all of the original films on video cassette and I would, you know, come home from school and watch them. I would, you know, draw giant, you know, space combat scenes on poster board with marker. Um, so yeah, it's always just sort of been there in the background without, without having a proper introduction that I can recall. And, um, I mean, so it's permeated your life from a time you, you don't even remember, how did you step into being able to work with Star Wars professionally? And although 
um, Battlefront Twilight Company is your first fiction novel. It's your first novel across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to work on Star Wars long before this book came to fruition. Um, can you tell me how you got into like the gaming industry and Star Wars in general and like how you, you got to that place? Yeah, yeah. So um, I got a job as a video game writer um, almost 10 years ago now uh, at, uh, at Bioware, who had previously done Knights of the Old Republic and who were hiring up uh, writers to work on the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. And that was my my first professional Star Wars experience. Um and it was it was sort of a reintroduction for me because while you know the movies had always sort of remained something that I was very fond of, I had never spent a lot of time diving into the EU material and reading the novels. And I'd read a couple of the comics, not not a ton. Um, so very, very quickly, I sort of had to bring myself back up to speed with, all right, you know, I know that I know the movies, but I need to learn the, the larger universe of Star Wars, as well as, you know, what so many dozens and dozens and hundreds of creators had done with it and ideas that had been explored or done to death or not done enough. Um, and yeah, ever since then I've done star wars on and off like i don't think there's been a full year since uh since the last 10 years or so that i haven't done at least some star wars project somewhere in there for a lot of people like like uh the work on on the old republic is sort of uh a gold standard for star wars work um you know like i I, did you think about that as you were working on it that this was the entry point into Star Wars for a lot of people? Um, we we thought a lot about, you know, making sure that it was accessible and that it, it resonated with the films um, without feeling too simplistic for people who had been sort of the hardcore, um, you know, EU readers for years and years and years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that on that level that was that was important to us um and you know on sort of a a lighter side of things we were also very aware just of the the massive amount of content that we were creating um you know the the amount of story in that game is the equivalent of um oh i i don't i don't have the numbers at hand but many many novels worth um and that was sort of oh okay well we are uh, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff out there we're still going to add a surprisingly large percent to that which was fun. Um, as far as so so you had a lot of experience telling stories in the Star Wars universe, um, and the Old Republic is something that that uh, a lot of people like I said kind of hold dear as far as the storytelling. Um, and Battlefront was coming out. How how did you connect between you know bridge the gap for me in your career between writing for the game and writing this book? So the game was really something that the that opened the door to other Star Wars projects. So um, during and after the game, 
Um, I wrote a number of Star Wars comic books. Um, I started out with some Old Republic tie-ins and then did a a Darth Vader miniseries. And sort of from from there, the, the, the doors opened further. I ended up doing a number of short stories for Star Wars Insider, um, which, you know, led to contact with the folks over at, at uh, Delray. Um, and they had, you know, eventually seen enough of my sel- stuff and seen enough of my, my short stories prose writing. And they, you know, they knew that I was familiar with Star Wars at that point um, and approached me about uh, doing Battlefront, which was, you know, a fantastic opportunity. So Battlefront, Twilight Company, um, I really enjoyed it. I kind of felt like it, it gave us something in Star Wars um, expanded in the books that we hadn't really gotten a lot of. Um, as far as in terms of military sci-fi, right? We've seen a lot of, you know, X-wing pilots kind of getting into Mission Impossible sorts of situations, but we'd never really gotten that look of what the the infantry is like. And uh, I'm wondering about how you kind of weighed that legacy of of military science fiction and Star Wars. And what effect that might have had writing this, especially knowing that um, for a lot of fans, there's that, that kind of controversy that that stuff doesn't somehow exist anymore. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering um, what that history of, of military sci-fi and Star Wars, how that affected your writing or how it influenced it. Well, and it's, it's kind of funny because it's, it's not just that there's a... a you know, tradition of military uh, science fiction in Star Wars. It's also video game based military science fiction in, in Star Wars, right? Like you, you had the X-Wing novels, which were originally sort of tied into the X-Wing video games. You had the uh, Republic Commando novels, which of course were tied into uh, to those video games. So like, I don't know if that's something about how, um, Folks think that there there isn't necessarily an audience for the the military science fiction in Star Wars unless it's sort of wrapped up in something else or if it's just a weird set of coincidences. But regardless, it amuses me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. More more on to your actual question though. Um, as as a creator, um, I like to go in and try to find an angle that has not already been done, um, right? Like if, if someone's done something really, really well before, then that's not necessarily the ground that you are most interested in, in trying to explore, right? Like you're, you're either going to be just sort of sad in comparison or, you know, best case, if it was done well the first time, you're still just doing more of the same. So it did seem like the sort of mass uh, infantry angle had not been terribly thoroughly explored in Star Wars, and that was something that also matched very well with the Battlefront game, right? Like the Battlefront game is all about, you know, massive battles, you know, large numbers of players going in one-on-one, not one-on-one, but, you know, uh, side-against-side, um, and all of that sort of came together and it was like, all right, well, this, this is the perfect place to sort of get into what it means to be average grunt rebel soldier. You know, we're, we're not going to do special forces. We're not going to do pilots. Um, we're going to do, you know, boots on the ground. As you're, um, I, you have a difficult job with, with a book like this where, 
um, part of the the part of the theme of having that boots on the ground feeling is that there's a lot of people because they're in giant masses, like you said, and a lot of them are dying. Um, you know, how did you how did you approach that? Um, I mean, it's it's always tricky to introduce a large cast of characters um and that's there there's no there's no great way to do it really um you know you you try to do it in a way that signposts for the reader okay we're gonna throw out a lot of names at you um but don't worry about keeping track of all of them. You know, we're going to make it pretty clear early on who is going to be, you know, the, the fulcrum around which the rest of the story is going to revolve. Um, wow. You got to be careful using that word in star Wars these days. <laughs> fair, fair enough. The, uh, the, the, the pivot point around which <laughs> the rest of the, uh, the uh, story re- revolves, um, you know, while hopefully still giving, a little bit of character and shading to even these minor characters because, you know, you do want to, you know, let these people live and die and, you know, go through the, the horrors of war and, you know, they're not going to stick around, but you don't want that to feel entirely meaningless to the reader either. So it's, it's rough. Um, and whether or not I, I fully succeeded in that is something that uh, readers are going to have to, to judge for themselves. Um, as, you're, as you're working on it, and um, it, it, I found it really interesting where most sort of infantry movies or stories I've read, um, it kind of tackles the arc of the the group over the course of like one major deci- you know one major decisive battle where you've got like the battle of the bulge or um a bridge too far which which have had a lot of influence on star wars over the years or even like the dirty dozen where it's just like we're going to take that chateau and that's it but you were able to manage um in this book arcs with these characters over you know campaigns across the galaxy and uh and give us a lot of different flavors of their fighting um, on different on different planets, on different climates, in different climates, uh, and with different objectives. And I'm wondering, um, you know, where 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 that structure came to you, uh, because I think it was uh, remarkably effective. Uh, and it was again something I, I don't feel like I've seen that often. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting you ask that. I mean that that was certainly an, an intentional decision to go with telling the story of a campaign rather than the story of a very specific conflict. Um, part of that was the fact that I didn't think that had been done a lot in Star Wars before. Um, so it might, might feel a little bit uh, refreshing, right? Like you've got a lot of the you know, this operation must succeed or the galaxy fails um, sorts of stories, which are, which are fun, but, you know, it leaves, leaves the door open for other kinds of stories. So that was, that was part of it, certainly. Um, Part of it was also um, because of the video game tie-in aspect, right? Like Battlefront was going to take place across a number of different planets. So I already was going to, you know, want to work in a number of different locations and rather than you know trying to 
limit it and tighten it up and go, okay, well, we'll, we'll make all this, you know, super tied, you know, together and just leap from one planet to the other. I decided I kind of wanted to run with that instead um, and really take advantage of the sort of storytelling opportunities that that allows. Um, And then sort of the, the third reason for that. And these, you know, when you're, when you're outlining something like this, you're, you're jotting down notes that can take you in a dozen different directions. And for me, at least, you know, you're, you're looking over your notes and you're seeing what matches up best, right? Like you're, you're looking and going, well, you know, so if I want to do lots of different planets, you know, I could do it this way, I could do it that way, but that actually fits really well with um, this characterization aspect. Um, and in, in that regard, um, I really did want to get into the kind of long-term psychological consequences of a war like the the Star Wars Galactic Civil War um, and what effect that would have on the soldiers involved. Um, and having a sort of, not necessarily small scale, but small scale in terms of time uh, story wouldn't really allow you to get into those those subtle changes in the same way that having a prolonged campaign would. Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly helps blur that line uh, for the soldiers where, you know, they're on a planet, they don't even know where they're at, really, and it's just sort of like, we're still doing this, we're exhausted, I'm not sure what what's going on or why we're fighting anymore, everything just looks the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's a lot of characters who are very, very tired throughout that book. No, and it... it, it it kind of came through like it made me feel it gave me a different uh, respect for those infantry. I mean, you watch the Empire Strikes Back and you you see, you know, the ground forces literally in trenches of snow with the adats coming for for them. And you're like, what 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 is their story? Why are they going to stay there and fight? And then you you match that to Battlefront where um, I don't know. I, Something gives me the idea. I don't have any information about it, and you might be able to tell me um, better, but it doesn't seem as though the game itself contains much of the story uh, and that this book might be the best companion to actually give me that window into it because I don't think I'm going to get that out of the game. Well, I, I can't I can't speak for the, the game developers, obviously, but you know, from from my side of things, the way I approached it was... The game, you know, and I, I have a game background, so I, I have a sense of what games are good at. Um, and it seemed to me like, all right, this this game is going to convey the sort of moment-to-moment experience of, you know, being a, a rebel or imperial soldier, you know, better than anything else, right? Like, games are visceral, games are exciting, you know, games are incredibly intense and engaging, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to match that in prose. Um, and to a certain extent, I, I didn't even want to try. I mean, obviously there is, there are many, many fight scenes in the, the book, but they have, they have different goals than, uh, a fight scene in a video game typically. Um, so, you know, if, if Battlefront, the game is all about the experience of fighting in the galactic civil war, then, I really wanted Twilight Company to be the story of that war. Yeah, and that's that, that's very much what uh, the feeling I got. I mean, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm not 
the biggest fan of games like that per se usually um and the like this book actually kind of really bolstered my excitement for it because now I can cross apply that that experience of the the campaign you know what I mean like when yeah when, no, I, oh go ahead um i mean i I think that's that's what a good tie in you know tie in anything whether it's a tie in book or a tie in game that's that's what it ought to do it ought to stand on its own but it also ought to add new new texture to whatever it's tying into um right like these you know these uh works should feed on one another and they should you know also be augmenting one another and making them all stronger when you when you put them together and see these things from different viewpoints yeah and it it seems like it seems like star wars is doing that really better than they've ever done lately yeah well and certainly there's there's a lot more a uh, lot more focus now than there ever was i mean with the uh, you know with the new canon and the story group in place and all of this you know there's there's a lot of coordination that you know wasn't necessarily uh there at various times in the past i mean which doesn't mean that what you got out of it was worse in any way right it just means that things are are they're different now right like yeah they're not necessarily going off in in a bunch of different directions they're now you know focused on sort of a clearer set of directions which you know there are there are upsides and downsides to that but i think the the quality level has been uh, has been pretty high and it's it's an exciting time to be playing in that particular sandbox yeah um as as you were writing this i mean was there any moment that you got to write that you were just i don't know uh, almost giddy about sort of as a fan. I, there's a couple of moments I can imagine uh, anybody being excited to write that worked really well. And I was very glad to see that you'd included a basilisk. I just love those. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's funny. The basilisk um, was in there almost, I won't say by accident, but I, I hadn't gone in with the intention of, okay, this character is going to be a basilisk. It was actually, all right, you know, I, I want, you know, I want a, a major alien character and, you know, I liked him to be sort of a, a big scary guy physically. And so, you know, I was looking through, you know, various resources. I was looking through Wikipedia and, you know, books and emailing, uh, you know, star wars you know expert friends of mine going all right give, give me some big guy aliens to work with and, and nothing that i ran into was really all that exciting um and i think i was finally paging through uh, one of the the essential guides to sort of hit the best list and i i just sort of went wait a minute you know if, if you had a basilisk who wasn't sort of uh just fat and old like those guys would be terrifying yeah, hey, these are these giant four-armed muscular lizard frog people. That's yeah, yeah. I would not want to run into one of those in out in an alley. And suddenly that that became all right. I, I know who this character is. Um, in answer to your your actual question, though, um, in terms of you know moments that were really fun as a fan, certainly the uh, really the the whole Hoth sequence. There were a couple of moments in there that were a lot of fun to do and to, to try a particular take on, um, you know, one of the, the film characters or one of those iconic moments from the films. 
Um, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, rewatching the the Battle of Hoth sequences to try to get the uh, the particular events in the feel right. Um, you know, I was. You know, it's always a struggle to get film characters' voices right in print, um, because so much of the way we think of those characters comes through the actors rather than the script in sort of pure literal sense. Um, you know, you you look at uh, you look at characters like Darth Vader and Han Solo, and you read. You know what? What are their their actual lines in the script? You know, just on the page, and it's it's not it's not quite the way that you would think that the lines are because you're so used to seeing it wrapped up in the performance. And when you don't have that performance, it's it's really a challenge to to still convey. You know, this is Darth Vader on the uh, on the page, but. Uh, but it's also a really interesting challenge. I, th- I think that was actually one of my favorite moments in the book was uh, was Vader's appearance and the realization that kind of dawns on the characters that maybe he has different goals than they expected. <laughs> um, yes, yes, it is a, a very disappointing moment for a certain character. Yeah, well, and I, I love that they've been doing that through a lot of the books, too. There was a moment, I'm not sure if you've read or are familiar with Lost Stars, but... Uh, um, I, I have not gotten a chance to read it yet, although I hear nothing but, you know, fantastic things about it. Oh, it's fantastic. But there's a moment later in the book where the characters that we've been seeing through the course of the book are at a briefing right before the Battle of the Second Death Star. And uh, it's it's the same sort of thing where they're like, okay, General Solo is going to be, you know, taking care of this. And they're like, who who is this guy? And now General Calrissian, he's going to be doing this. It's like, when did they, this? When did he show up? And when did he become a general? I've never heard of these people. Like, we're screwed. Um, and I really like that feeling that that we're getting that that every man kind of, uh, or every every person, every being sort of feel of what the galaxy's like now. And I really I really enjoyed that about this book too. Um, I, I feel like you, you did a really good job, kind of balancing those different perspectives of where people came from and what their goals were versus how they got swept up into the war. Um, it was just really fascinating to me. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and on the sort of perspective of the movies part of it, I think, I think it helps to give the, it makes the galaxy feel bigger when not everyone is closely involved or aware of the events of the films. Um, You never want to make the galaxy, you know, so big that it feels like the events of the film or the characters there aren't important Um, because those are still, you know, those are, those are Star Wars, right? Like that's, that's the center of everything. Um, But I think you do that by, making the galaxy a big and important place and making, you know, what those characters have done, you know, as proportionately big as they've always been, but the rest of the galaxy doesn't necessarily understand what, uh, what they've done and what that means. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's gotta be really difficult to, to juggle those things from those perspectives because like you said, like, there hasn't been a time in your life where you haven't known the movies and absorbed them, right? <laughs> right. Um, 
and and perspective is something that we um as people who consume that on the outside sometimes lose track of and i'm really glad that i i, I really enjoyed the way your book brought that back to those uh you know entry level entry infantry positions <laughs> Well, I, I think I think that sort of perspective too is one of those fundamental things that every writer grapples with. I mean, that's what that's what makes that's what makes for drama, even on sort of the micro level, is characters not fully understanding what other characters want or why they want the things that they do um like that's that's where tension comes from that's where where drama comes from that's where misunderstandings and real conflict um occur right if if everyone if everyone really pretty much understands where everyone else is is coming from and what they're trying to do then you've basically just got a chess match which is interesting but it's not it's not terribly character driven. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that gets at something that all writers end up spending a lot of time in. And it's just a very particular form when you're dealing with a familiar franchise like star Wars. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, it's even, it's something that can be problematic in the movies. Even um, Dave Filoni was talking at, at New York comic con actually. Um, about the sequence where Anakin confronts Mace Windu, where Mace Windu's confronting Palpatine, and he's like, we as an audience understand Palpatine should go. Like, we know this. And a lot of people didn't buy Anakin's turn, but they're forgetting Anakin's perspective, where he's been told the whole time the Jedi are trying to take over, and they're doing things you don't believe in, and they don't believe in. And when he walks in, Palpatine is disarmed, Mace Windu's attacking him and ready, ready to say, like, forget the trial, we're going to kill this guy now. And, uh, you know, it's hard to have his perspective when we've seen everything else. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, well, and it, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting scene because everyone involved knows totally different things and has totally different motivations, um, right? Like Mace, Mace Windu in, in that scene is kind of in a weird place as well, right? Like he's... He's moving very fast because he senses a ton of urgency in the situation, but he really doesn't know what's going on. Um, whereas Anakin actually knows more, but hasn't put those pieces together in anything close to the same form that uh, that Mace Windu has. No, I, I really love the idea of perspective here. And, uh, no, I... I, I... I, I mean, getting it back to the book, but I, I think uh, ah, that's okay. I'll, I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> well, no, I think I think Battlefront brings that though, right? I mean, I've never the Battle of Hoth um, has always been. I don't want to say like one of my least favorite battles in a Star Wars movie, <laughs> but it was always very. There was no, there was no cost to it. Like they knew right from the beginning they were running right. They knew the Empire was going to overpower them, and they knew they were going to leave. Um, you know, before the Empire even got there, they were prepping that that retreat. We knew that's how that was going to, to go down. So the stakes didn't feel that high. And diving into it in a way I hadn't seen before, like, like you do in Battlefront, um, I mean, it's something that I'm going to take to Empire now. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the perspective of those guys watching the walkers bear down on them that I'll be able to bring to those scenes now 
which is kind of getting back to what I was saying where all this stuff folds in or what you were saying or what we were talking about (laughs) where all this stuff folds in and adds to, to each other. And, and I don't know if that, how that, that feels to you that you've been able to make a mark on how people feel about the empire strikes back. No. And that's, that's really, you know, to my mind, one of the, one of the things that you really hope to do when you're working on a tie-in, you know, and it's, you know, when you're dealing with something so incredibly iconic that everyone, you know, is so intimately familiar with, um, yeah, and the the notion of being able to to bring a new perspective to that, that's certainly the goal. Um, but the notion of of actually succeeding at that is uh, it's it's very exciting. And you know, again, that's that's something that I can I can hope for, but it's it's not something that you can ever guarantee. Um, so I've got one last question for you, and it's just because this is sort of my my shtick. Um, were there any like war movies that really uh, inspired any pieces of the writing uh, for this, or any movies in general? Really, um, I'm really fascinated by the influence of cinema on Star Wars. That's my my, my regular column on StarWars.com, and so uh, instead of having to guess, I always like to just ask. So it's it's funny because I am not really a film person. Um, I mean, I I see movies now and then. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not averse to seeing movie, but I'm not I'm not a film buff, and I certainly don't have that sort of intimate knowledge of a whole library of uh, of war films that I can pull out. Um, you know. On the on the sort of literary side of things, um, there's there's a little more that I've that I've got to work with, um, both sort of older material, so you know the sort of classic you know Tim O'Brien uh, Vietnam War type stories, or sort of modern uh, combat journalism. Um, you know, I will I will sit and and read or listen to you know uh, journalists like Dexter Filkins for you know as long as uh, as he will speak in an interview um and of course there's there's also a good uh, legacy of just uh military science fiction in literature um there's there's a ton of that stuff out there which has some influence you know you you try not to get you know when i'm when i'm looking at my influences and looking for inspiration I try to stay as many steps removed from what I'm actually doing as I can while still being useful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you know, well you- it's, it's really easy to do the, uh, okay, we're going to do a space infantry story and, uh, a lot of people slip right into Highland starship troopers. Sure. Sure. Um, or, you know, go to, uh, to David Weber for, you know, I'm doing a, a space general or, or, or what have you, but you know, certainly I've read a lot of that stuff. And while I wasn't necessarily sitting down and, and rereading all of the uh, the military science fiction I had ever seen right before uh, reading Battlefront or before you know uh, writing uh, Battlefront Twilight Company, it's certainly in the back of my head. Um, and many many lessons were were pulled from from those as well as sort of the, the real world, um, fiction and, uh, and journalism. Um, I guess the thing is, I think, um, Dave Filoni, um, had told me in an interview once that, that, uh, George Lucas always sort of said, if you want to study, if you're only studying star Wars, um, you're missing what star Wars is. Um, Mm. so you kind of have to study the things behind it. 
Um, and and I'm wondering, like, if if you were to say, like, hey, someone who liked Twilight Company, here's something that's totally unrelated to Star Wars that really inspired me that might that maybe has the same kind of feel or something like that. What would you point people to as something that's important in the construction of it, even though it might not be related really at all? Yeah, I mean, you know, all. I'll, I'll fall back on the uh, on the Dexter Filkins uh, uh, war uh, war journalism there. Um, I think he's he's done a fantastic job as sort of one of the combat journalists of the 21st century. Um, and if you you look at the sort of reporting that he's done on you know the recent conflicts that the U.S. has been involved in, um, it's just a really smart, really humane. Uh, way of looking at the the costs of war and uh, sort of the things that both the people actively involved in the military as well as civilians and then all the sort of gray areas in between get involved in. Um, I'm definitely going to have to, to check some of that that out and hopefully uh, hopefully other people might as well. Um, before we go, is there like uh, do you want to let people know how they can find you or? Uh just the the book as it were yeah so uh you know folks who are interested in what i'm doing and what i have done and what i may be doing in the future um i uh, periodically update my website at alexanderfried.com um i've also got a a twitter feed twitter feed at uh, at alexander m freed um I tweet periodically, and certainly that's that's the first place I mention when uh, when anything uh, anything new comes along that I'm ready to announce. Um, Twilight Company is out; um, it is in stores. You can uh, get it off, you know, all of your favorite online retailers as well. Um, please do, <laughs> um, and yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully people will enjoy it. I think they will. It's it's a uh, it's a really great read. Um, so thank you for your time and thank you for, uh, for talking to me. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm always uh, glad to, to have this opportunity. Well, Brian, another fine job. It's like sometimes I feel like you don't need me to do any kind of interviews because you, you cover everything when every time you talk to somebody. So another job well done. You're just more eloquent than I am. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. But no, it's a great interview. And uh, thank you for sharing it with everyone. It is indeed my pleasure. Now, is, are you going to have any of that in print, or is that just... Uh, That's for us. Oh, very nice. Um, all right. Well, Super Size Show said that before we uh, we listened to the interview. Um, I need to uh, process it a little more, Brian, but I'm going to talk to you about it. Okay. So, listen. FoolSith.com. That's where you find things. Full of Sith. And I know I've never done that before, but... I just did it there. If you want to leave us a voicemail, please do so. 206-426-5592 or use the SpeakPipe app on the website, uh, fullofsith.com. Said that before. Uh, there you can find our contact information like our Twitter, at fullofsith, at the mic, at swankmatron, at bobbyrobertspdx, at amy underscore geek. Also, facebook.com slash fullofsith is where you can go and like us on Facebook like 20-some-odd thousand other people have done. So join the group. 
put your thumbs up on uh, Facebook and uh, get into the conversations that we have there all the time. Also, uh, holocronofullofsith.com is where you can email us at. And um, I know I've been saying this, Brian, and I feel bad because I keep saying it over and over and over again. We do have to empty out the inbox. I have like 30 emails that I'll try to send to you guys tonight. Um, many are very, very good emails. Um, like to get to those, maybe some voicemails in a show before we do get to, uh, force awakens, because then we're going to be really talking about a lot of that stuff. So maybe, uh, maybe one week before uh, we can all get together quickly or me and you, and we can just get together and empty out some inbox stuff like a special show. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we could, we, we could do that. Um, and I would like to remind listeners and, and don't have your minds blown too much when I say this. There are only four episodes of Full of Sith left before The Force Awakens. That's just insane. That's insane to me. My mind is blown. Anyway, great show tonight. We'll uh, probably have Bobby and Amy back next week. Is that is that what as, we're saying? As far as I'm aware. Okay, so Bobby and Amy back next week. A um, lot of things going on. Probably a bunch of these shows are going to be uh, extended for you, for us, for uh, everything that's going on right now. It is a whirlwind, and uh, we're only four episodes away of Full Sith until we get to Episode 7. So that is awfully fantastic. iTunes reviews, if you haven't done that already, please do so. And you know what? The gift of Full of Sith, the gift of sharing Full of Sith, if you could, and you uh, come across people when you're out at the theater and you see people at the store buying some toys, um, I've been doing that a lot lately. People see my Star Wars tattoos or a shirt or the hat that I'm wearing, and they go, oh, are you, are you anxious for the movie? Yeah, a little bit. And we get into conversations, and I, you know, I tell them about the show. And, and so share the show with your friends. Share the show with uh, people in your lives, and um, let them join in on the full Sith fun, too. And uh, that's all I'm going to say, Brian. Anything else you want to add, like uh, tell people buy your books for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. If you want to buy my books for Christmas, I will happily sign them to whoever you'd like me to and send them out if you want to check out brianyoungfiction.com or... You can get them on Amazon. My my two new books, uh, The Aeronaut is a steampunk World War I uh, adventure espionage romance thriller. And the other one is called Escape Vector. And if you're into Star Wars, you're going to like this. It's a collection of kick-ass space opera short stories. And uh, they're a lot of fun. And, and I've got all kinds of other books if you want to check them out. And if you do check them out, uh, while you're reviewing Full of Sith on iTunes, head over to Amazon or Goodreads and review the books also. And you can look for my reviews there because I've reviewed a few of your books. Listen, Brian Young's a great person. He's a hell of a guy. But you know what? Besides all that, he's a hell of a writer too. So check out Brian's work and you will not be disappointed. I'm going to put my stamp of approval and my guarantee that uh, that you will like Brian's book. So get one get one for uh, your friends or yourself and or both. That would probably be best. Uh, TheMike.com. That's where you can go find me and the things I do and the things I've done. And besides that, this is episode 142 of Full of Sith for David W. Collins. What a great interview. And Alexander Freed with uh, Brian's interview. And Brian Young, of course. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you. Always.
Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.